In this episode of Skating in Circles, we are meeting with Carlos Montalvo, who is the current organizer for the Chief Ladiga Silver Comet Skate Challenge. We'll be talking about what the challenge is, how the event went this year, and we are even going to go into some distance skate history. I think this is something you are all going to really enjoy. So without further ado, let's welcome him to the podcast. Hello and welcome to Skating in Circles. I'm joined by Carlos Montalvo. Carlos, how you doing? Hey, what's up? Thanks for having me. Yeah, happy to have you. We've got a great topic to talk about today, but before we get into that, I just want to get a few things out of the way. Carlos, where are you coming, where are you coming from right now? Uh, so right now I'm at home in Mobile, Alabama. I used to live in Atlanta, Georgia for probably 10 years. And then I graduated from Georgia Tech and moved down here. So I actually, I'm actually a mechanical engineering. Pro- well, I did my aerospace engineering degree at Georgia Tech. And so I teach the mechanical engineering department here at South Alabama. There's a small university here in Mobile. And so here I am down here, down south, close to the beach. Nice. Is it uh, pretty hot down there right now? Oh yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure I went on a long bike ride today and had, had to wear sunscreen. And I think I went through two shirts today. I'm where I'm on my third shirt right now. It's uh, it's absurdly hot. I'm always wet. <laughs> it's either raining or it's hot and I'm sweating. Nice. So uh, a big question I got to get out of the way is, is when was your first time skateboarding? Oof. However you define skateboarding. I, I would say I define skateboarding as the first time somebody like handed me a skateboard. And that was probably when I was like two, I had like a tiny plastic board. I think I broke it when I got a little bit older, but I think I went, it's funny, like skating goes through lulls and like my life has gotten through skating lulls. So like, you know, two, I skated for a little bit. I have pictures of me. I may be able to pull them up. And then I went through a lull and I didn't start skating again until middle school. There was this kid, chet who knew how to kickflip and i was like oh bro we got to get this guy to teach us how to kickflip and then because that was before youtube and dvds and stuff so like if you wanted to learn how to do a trick you had to find somebody who knew how to do it and i couldn't drive so it's like i either like begged my mom to take me to the skate park or like i said you'd find somebody in the neighborhood who knew what they were doing and then I went through a lull again. And then in college, I was just kind of skating around just doing like some flipper roos or whatever uh, at the garage down, down at Georgia Tech. And this dude and like five other people like pour out of the elevator with like, you know, candy colored wheels and like gravity boards are like 50 inches long. And I'm like, what is that? And uh, they handed me a board and they were like, bro, let's, let's go, you know, garage bomb this. And like, I, I was instantly hooked. I bought a loaded board like probably like a week later. And then, you know, I guess I could get into a little bit too, is that I was, since I was living in Atlanta, Marion Carr, who was in charge of the Ladiga, you know, back in 2011, he went over to Woody Skate Shop. So Woody Skate Shop is shut down, but it was close to the Brook Run Skate Park that me and some friends of mine used to skate at back in the day. And I heard about this long distance race and I was like, what the hell is this? I was like, I kind of want to be a part of this. And so that's kind of how I got into like the whole community. So it was really just somebody handed me a longboard and then I was just hooked. You know, I, I mean, I, at, at the height of my career, I had like nine skateboards and, uh, and I was sponsored by Jotty for a while too. Yeah. No, unfortunately, I mean like Aldrian Harjotti, I mean, I'll give a shout out to him. I mean, he was an awesome team manager and 
he's a really cool guy and you know inviting us over to our house and parties and stuff like that and i mean he was pressing molds and he was making like one of the, like the best downhill boards at the time and i mean you'd have to ask him but my personal opinion is like he couldn't really keep up with like the demand of like online sales and everything like that and just all of the competing businesses and so i think once I moved to Mobile, so this is probably 2015, 2016. Again, you could fact check that, I guess. He, he, he closed his doors for good. Wow. Yeah. So I guess back to the original question, what year would you say it was when you, when you picked up that board? Oof, like 1990. Yeah. The, pla- the, pl- the, the plastic board was like 1990. Yeah. And then middle school was like late 90s. So like 1998-ish. And then, I mean, like back then it was like punk skating. So like you wore like really baggy jeans, like absurdly oversized t-shirts, you know, and like, you know, DC shoes was just coming out and stuff like that. And uh, I don't know, like you saw kids skating in the neighborhood and you were like, oh, druggie, get, you know, get that asshole out of here, you know? And then like, I was just like this, like, you know, total, you know, suburban kid just like trying to have fun outside with my friends, you know, like I, I wasn't really in that in that demographic, if you will. And like now I would say, you know, at least, at least the people who joined the Ladiga, I mean, they're like legitimate athletes. I mean, they've got like their calories dialed. I mean, like even the guys that are doing the push across America right now, like those are legitimate athletes. Like this isn't a joke anymore. You know, it's not just like, you know, tatted up punk smoking cigarettes and smoking joints on the, you know, I mean, there are still people who are like that, but I wouldn't necessarily say like that is the, uh, the majority anymore, you know? Yeah, I think as the scene has changed, like things have evolved and and that's definitely one of them. Nutrition and training and all that. We saw the results of some of it it this year at at the event. But before we get into how the event went and, um, you know, what it was like to organize it and all that, let's talk about what the race is for maybe someone who doesn't know but what is Ladiga? So, yeah, I mean, if you go to skate188challenge.com, I mean, most of the information about the race is there. But what I think isn't there is sort of where it came from. And so, you know, there's this rails to trails program across the United States where the, you know, they rip up old train lines and they put in trail. And so the reason why there's a trail called the Silver Comet Trail in Atlanta is because it used to have there used to be a silver comet train that ran through there and they ripped it up and, and paved it. And so from Smyrna, Georgia, all the way to the Alabama state line is the Silver Comet Trail. And then when you cross over the state line into Alabama, it changes into the Chief Ladiga Trail, which goes, I think, another 64. I think it's like 30, no, 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 it's like 54 miles, I think, to the state line. You have to correct me on this. And then I think it's like another 40 miles or 35 miles into Alabama. And that's the Chief Ladiga Trail. So the whole thing's 94 miles long. So however that math shakes out. So to clarify, it's just over 60 miles from the start line in Georgia till you hit the state line of Alabama. And then it's a little over 33 miles to the end there. And that adds up to about 94. And so Marion Carr... And, and he'll, he would say this out loud, so I'm not talking behind his back, but I think he would legitimately agree that he's a crazy guy. And he, he, would, he would always say that, like, God definitely exists because there's so many crazy people joining this race. But before there was an actual sanctioned event, he would take the train, uh, like, all the way over to Anison with a backpack and then skate the whole way back. And then like Jeff Crow and Marion, like they're both crazy. I think Jeff would admit that he's crazy too. 
both of them did like a self-supported just with like, you know, 50 pound packs and they skated the whole way and back by themselves. And I think when Jeff and Marion did it, it was like 2015 ish, but Marion used to skate that trail by himself on a skateboard, like well before, you know, I even knew longboarding was a thing. So then when he decided like, Hey, I want to open this up to other people he kind of made this just like grassroots movement in a way. Like I said, he met over at Woody's Woody's skate park and was just like, or, or, or sorry, Woody's skate shop. And was just like, Hey, so I'm going to put on a race, but I'm going to make it a stage race. Right. So he didn't want to do all 188 in one day. So there and back 94 times two, 188, he didn't want to do it all in one day. He wanted to make it sort of accessible to people who were just starting out. So Smyrna, Georgia to rock Mart, Georgia is 37 point something miles it's 37 minutes from change and so he uh, uh, you know thought hey if we just make day one that 37 mile leg that would hopefully be a little bit more accessible to everybody so he he made that day one day two then gets a little bit harder because you got 56 miles from rockmart georgia all the way over to anison and i always get the town wrong i think it's actually weaver but it's like weaver oxford anison like that whole area is where the trail ends yeah that's 56 miles that's day two and then he wanted to make day three just like insane. And so day three is, you know, after you've just skated 94 miles in two days, you've got to skate all 94 miles back on day three from Anderson, Alabama, back to Smyrna, where you started. And so that's the three-day stage race right there. So with that in mind, like, what would you say is required for, for something like this? Like in your experience and from, from being there, like, do you think everyone comes prepared or you think people get surprised or I guess a little bit of the background. So I, I did like eight miles of the race on 2011. I wasn't prepared. I just had found out about it that year, 2011, I skated like 40 to 60 miles a week, training, training, training. I was swimming. I was doing hill climbs. I was doing so much to prepare for that race. And I did it in 2012 for the first time. I think I got the t-shirt up here. My mom made like a, uh, you can't, I guess you can't see it in the video, but my mom took all my t-shirts and made like a little mural of all my t-shirts put together. So I did it in 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015. And then I did half the race in 2017. Um, so in my perspective, I've had all sorts of training regimens. So that first year, like I said, I did like 60 miles a week. Once I moved to Mobile, I didn't have access to the trail anymore. So I couldn't just go out and skate like 40 miles on a Saturday. There's just nowhere to do that. So instead I skated six miles a day to work. So I skated, you know, three miles to work, three miles back. And so I never did like a huge long ride, like a, like a, you know, 40, 50 mile ride in one day, but I was really consistent, like five days a week. And I took two rest days on the weekend. Um, my diet also changed significantly over that time period. So, I mean, you have to keep in mind, I'm, I'm just going to age myself. Like I'm 35 years old now. Like when I first did cross the finish line, I was 23. So I was, you know, drinking a six pack on the weekend and like, you know, waking up the next day and eating cold pizza for, for breakfast. But to your question about like, do I think people are prepared? Not everybody is. I would say this year was, was one of the years that I've seen like the most athletic people in the race. Cause I remember when I did it back in like 2012, 2013, there were like 40, 50 people. And like, I'm not going to out anybody, but there were people drinking beer, you know, like at the start of the race. And I remember, I think it was 2013, it may have been 2012, like someone almost almost had renal failure 
like they didn't drink enough water and like started puking and like just couldn't recover, you know? And so there were a lot of hospital visits those first couple of years because people just like weren't prepared. Um, so if I had to say, you know, in my opinion, based on like my training, based on what I've seen other people do is that you have to have a lot of prep work ahead of time. You got to get your miles in, whether it's like long rides on the weekends or like consistent rides during the day, like you got to get your miles in period. If you're going to do 94 miles in one day, like you have to make sure you're in shape and you can do that. I think you also have to make sure you've got your endurance up in the sense that like you need to learn how your body depletes its energy and how to recover from that. So I had like a pretty good regimen of like every 15 minutes I would drink some water and every 30 minutes I would eat some food and my food went all over the place. So before I found out about Tailwind, like I was eating beef jerky and crackers and stuff like that. And then once I found out about Tailwind, it was like literally like all day, all I did was just eat tail, it's like drink Tailwind and drink Gatorade. Um, but like, you know, guys like Adam or Gavin, you know, they're just doing gels. Like that's like all the rage. And I think there's that new like salt stuff. I forget what that stuff is called. Uh, yeah. That's the LMNT electrolyte drink mix. It's pretty high in sodium. I don't know. At, at the time it was like tailwind was all the rage. Cause it like had calories and electrolytes, but then like everybody was like, well, wait, you also need salt. And like, I think I got my salt from beef jerky and crackers. I mean, I had salt all, all over it and beef jerky probably like threw my salt index through the roof. But it kept me alive, you know, for the whole day. I mean, you're talking 94 miles, like for me, it took me 10 and a half hours. I mean, that's that's a full day, you know. I mean, that's that's three. I had to, you know, thankfully in Rockmart when I did the race, they had pizza there. So I ate like three slices of pizza when I got there. But again, my diet was a lot different back then. <laughs> ate three slices of pizza and then had 38 miles to skate still, like somehow made it happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, somehow I didn't get a gut bomb. It's it's just, but I mean, yeah, you're in your early 20s. I mean, you can eat rocks, you know. Um, but yeah, so I would say there's there's the 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 pre prep. You got to get your miles in. You got to learn how your body handles, you know, the depletion and and, and replenishment of energy because everybody's going to lose steam at some point. You ask the ultra skate guys too. Like at some point, like they hit a wall. And it's like, they need to figure out like everybody's, everybody's body is different. So like, however you need to like ingest nutrients, like water, electrolytes, food, whatever, you've got to learn that on those long rides and just kind of experiment. I remember one year, one girl was like, tried a new gel packet and puked on day two, you know, and that's, that's not good. Cause she tried a new gel packet. Like that's like, you know, never try new shoes, right. On, on like the first day of a new hike or something because you get tons of blisters. Right. Um, the last thing is definitely mind over matter. I mean, I, I was telling some of the new guys this year about the pain cave and they were like, what the hell is that? And I was like, you're, you're going to find out. It's just, there's this part after day two. So day two has, is really hilly. And we'll talk about that later probably. But after you get through the hills and you get to Cedar town, there's just this like 20 mile stretch and there's a sign and it's like, do you have a buddy water, a cell phone? And it's just flat. And it's like super remote and it's like your legs have just done like 60 miles, 70 miles in two days. And you probably didn't sleep well because you're sleeping in a crappy hotel or you slept in the community center on the concrete floor, you know, and you're just like totally, it just, just your body is just dead. And, it, and, it, and, and I used to joke that I, I would take naps on the trail. You know, I, I, my body was just, especially in the beginning before I knew how to replenish all my nutrients, like I would lay down. I would overheat and just like, I couldn't do it. I couldn't push my body anymore. And I would lay down to like, try to like drop my blood pressure down, drop my heart rate, see if I could cool down a little bit. 
And that stretch right there, man, I mean, it's really just like, you know, count your pushes, one, two, three, four, five, switch legs, one, two, three, four, five, switch legs. And everybody has their own thing. Um, but that's, those are, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head, man, the training, the nutrition, the mental battle, that's what it takes to do this race. And if, if you don't, I mean, it's going to hurt either way. That's the thing. You're not going to get away from the pain cave. It's going to hurt either way. And I guess let's quickly talk about some of those obstacles, right? Like you're out there, you mentioned, uh, there's a sign that says, do you have water? Do you have a cell phone? Blah, blah, blah. Like, so heat is obviously a factor. Yeah. We, yeah. It, heat is kind of like, I think you're getting at like an over an all encompassing rule. Right. So I remember, I think what, what was the year that the tornadoes hit? Was that 2013? Uh, yeah. 2013. 2013. So that was like the most drastic changing environment. Like day one was like 80 degrees. I say that <laughs> that's not too bad for me, but it was like 80 degrees and you're only skating for like four hours. You know, you don't even really need to fill up your camel pack. It's not a big deal. But then day two, it started to rain. So now it's overcast. You know, some people like because it was so hot on day one, like they didn't wear a T-shirt on day two. And suddenly the temperature dipped 10 degrees. So now it's 70 degrees overcast and raining. And they started, they, they got cold. Like I remember having people like I'm skating with and they're like, I'm shivering. And they got to an aid station and like borrowed a jacket. You know, I mean, that's, that's just wild to go from like 80 degrees and 80% humidity to, you know, 70 degrees overcast and suddenly everybody's shivering, you know, then day three. And again, this is just and actually real quick. So that was one year on day two. So the hardest part about heat on day two is that by the time you get to Alabama, you're skating next to a highway and it's around two o'clock in the afternoon or one o'clock in the afternoon or 12 o'clock, depending on how fast you are. And you're right next to the highway. So the wind is whipping. There's no tree cover. And it's just, everybody's just getting obliterated. <laughs> Those, that's usually the spot. I think one year I found a bench because I just couldn't find any shade. And I took a nap under a bench because I just needed to get out of the sun. And like, there's so many people who like didn't wear a t-shirt and just got horribly sunburned, you know, like the camel pack tan, which is just like, you know, it's such a weird way to get a tan, you know, or like the lines on it. And then, um, and then I remember interviewing you in 2018 and I was like, Hey, what's your least favorite part about the Ladiga? And you were like the last 10 miles of day two, cause it's just so hot and so exposed, you know? So it's like that year it was super hot. People were running out of water. People were getting overheated. And then 2013 it's overcast and 70 degrees and everybody's cold. So it's just like such a mix. And then day three, while everybody's skating in Alabama, a, a rung of tornadoes came through Georgia and like knocked over like 40 year old oak trees. So you've got these like massive, huge oak trees just like completely down on the trail. The trail is just wrecked. And so now you've got like debris, rocks, you know, branches, massive trees, like all these things. And on a normal day, like you have all of those obstacles anyway that you have to deal with just on the trail. I know Jeff, I mean, he's in his fifties. He purposely wears slide gloves because the trail is not pristine. I mean, you'll, you can hit, you know, any like those like gumballs, those like spiky gumballs thing or like whatever, and just get completely knocked out. And I mean, you're 50, 60 miles in and you're 50 years old and you go down, like that's not good. Yeah. And I, that's a good point. Like kudos to them for, maintaining the trail as well as they do but there's some things they can't possibly account for and that's a fallen oak tree from 
a tornado is not something they can quickly clear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, on an on an that was an extreme case, but like on a normal day, I mean, you're right. The trail is usually in good conditions, but it's 94 miles. So there's like I said there's rocks, branches, you know, whatever in the road and you got to you got to pay attention. Yeah. Some of the pavement isn't isn't the best. Yeah, so some of it's brushed concrete and so it's just like so much vibration on your ankles after a while. It's just get or your feet that really wears on you and slows you down. So yeah, the next thing you got on there is hills, right? So I think everybody talks about Trash Mountain and the chicane. So if you're if you're not aware, I think it's is it 800 feet elevation change from the bottom to the top of Trash Mountain? I don't know, but you know who would know is Adam cuz I'm sure he planned it out and everything. I reached out to Adam after the show and he said that it's actually 200 feet from the bottom to the top of Trash Mountain. But Trash Mountain's a series of four rollers, so it's not exactly one hill, but it's a pretty grindy section of the race. So, yeah, so day two, like probably eight miles in, you climb, there's a landfill, and you climb this super tall hill, and it's just kind of like rolling hills for a couple miles. But then you get into this like really steep grade chicane, so it's like really sharp right turn and a really sharp left turn. And so many people have lost some skin, too, like, two or three people have gone to the hospital, like broken kneecaps, you know, uh, stitches in the leg. Um, again, I'm not going to out anybody. Maybe I should, I just keep, just keep outing everybody. Because I, but I mean, if you know who you are, you know who you are. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, so many hospital visits on that. So I, I butt board that. Um, and I remember this year, one guy was like, dude, I'm not a downhiller. And like, that's, that's an interesting thing too. Cause like I actually used a downhill for Jotty for a while. So, like on a good day with the right board, you know, fresh, like I could probably take that chicane, you know, maybe not at full speed. You probably have to do a, a Coleman slide like right before the the first turn, but you're riding like a, a pusher pumper deck, you know, and you've already skated 60 miles in two days. I'm sitting down, you know, like I'm not, I'm not going to risk it. I'm not trying to prove anything. And uh, other people just destroy their shoes and just foot break the hell out of it and then take it as fast as they're comfortable with, you know, that is hardware. Uh, I can't, I can't tell you the number of times that people have broken a kingpin or, you know, their bearing blew out, you know, like the shield came off and all the balls came out of the bearing. That's happened so many times. And I, you know, I'm, I wasn't a boy scout, but I feel like I try to act like one. Whenever I did the race, I carried an extra set of bearings, like two or three, an extra kingpin and an extra bolt. Cause sometimes a, you know, a bolt on the side of your wheel would shoot off. And I remember one year I got to the state line. I don't remember what year it was, but one guy broke his kingpin and I pulled the kingpin out of my bag and we replaced it. Right. We had to like get a rock to like bang out the old kingpin, but we put a new kingpin in and he kept going. Um, that's crazy. You know, <laughs> yeah, it was just like trail trail maintenance. You know, it took a rock to get the kingpin out. Is that what you said? yeah? Because the, yeah, the kingpin sheared right. So mm-hmm. normally you've got like the whole kingpin sticking out of the the base plate, but since it sheared, you basically had like a nub. So we had to like take like our skate tool as sort of like a uh, like a I don't know, almost like a, a hole punch or whatever. And like jam it into that nub and then take a rock and use it as a hammer and then like hammer the old kingpin out, which is broken in half now, and then shove the new kingpin back in. <laughs> That's so crazy. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, things like that. And then one year a guy had uh, like don't trip trucks and the spherical bearing that's like inside the the hangar that blew out. And like, that's not an that easy thing to repair. It doesn't often either. Like, it doesn't. I don't know how long he's had that deck, but he, he quit. He was like, I'm done, you know? And then actually one year, uh, Skanunu, Ken, he had a spare board. And I think, I think someone's board like cracked or broke. And he actually let somebody borrow his board. It was like, here you go. You can just have mine. You can ride the rest of the race with it. So hardware failures is a real thing, man. And I, and I don't know if you saw like Matt, Matt Phillips this year and maybe even Adam, they brought a spare deck just in case. Yeah, that's something I think people don't think of is bringing spare parts to something like this. And sometimes it's hard to. Sometimes all you have is one setup, you know. So, But yeah. Um, like I had my board for that reason too while I was, you know, at the support stations. So, oh, okay, cool. You know, like, and you, I think you had a setup as well, right? I, I had my, I had mine as well. I was thinking like worst case, someone can ride my deck. Yeah, yeah exactly. With that, you organized the race this year. It was your first time. That's right. Overall, how would you rate the experience out of 10? Ooh, so n- one, yeah, one being like, I hate this. This is the worst fucking thing ever. I never want to do it again. And 10, like, this is a blast. Like, I want to devote my entire life to this. I'd say like a seven or an eight. Okay. I, I appreciate the not voting a 10 or like an 11, the realistic seven or eight. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would say seven or eight, man. I mean, it was, it was t- like, it's, it's a whole year of planning and, and like, maybe that's just me. Like maybe other people, like they would like, you know, front load it or do a lot like right at the end. But like you and me, I mean, we started talking like last summer and we had, you know, like monthly tasks that we were ticking away and, near the end it started to get really heavy and then i thought the three days was going to be really chill and i didn't realize like how much adrenaline like i was just pumping through because i was like i'm not skating so i won't be tired and like literally monday the day after the race like i slept all day like all day i didn't get out of bed my mom my mom thought i was like sick she was about to call the doctor (laughs) you know and uh so yeah i would say seven or eight man it was it was super fun but it was really tough and i mean i'm definitely gonna do it again I mean, I love this race so much. Like, I'm definitely going to do it again. But it was rough. It was hard. So you're coming back for round two. And you had a good time, but super tiring. I think that's that's valid. You, you underestimate just how tiring it is to organize people and, and get them, you know, from one place to another. And then get their luggage, right? I felt like that was a huge yeah. thing we had to deal with. I did I did not prepare for that at all. That was something that I did not even think about. Yeah, because we didn't, it wasn't like we're like uh, Southwest Airlines where we were like, you get one carry on and you get one, you know, personal item. Uh, we did, yeah, we did not tell people how to pack. See, because like when I, I don't know how you raced, but like with me, like I brought my skateboard and a backpack. Well, I, it was a 44 liter backpack. So it was like a backpacking backpack. And that's all I had. I mean, you know, I brought a huge bag too and didn't think. Oh shit! I'm gonna have to bring this thing all around, you know, 94 miles one way and back. Like, <laughs> uh, but it had it had some a bunch of stuff in it. And it I, yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, look, if you're listening to this and you did the race this year, like, do not pack differently next year. Like, that's not what I want to do. 
Like I would rather be as an organizer, I would rather be more prepared. My point is, is I was not prepared for like, you know, you know who I'm talking about to show up with a bag the size of my car. Like I drive a Honda Fit and like some dude, again, not going to out him, but like the bag was like literally the size of like the seats folded down, you know? And it was like, holy shit. Like I didn't even know this was a thing. We just talked about telling people to bring spare parts, right? So like you have to exactly for that. And- I would, I would rather they have it and not need it than need it and not have it. I mean, that's, I want, I want to make sure that they're prepared. You know, I don't want to just be like, Hey, you can only bring one bag. Like that's ridiculous. I'd rather just get a bigger car, you know, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself in terms of shuttling and stuff. But again, like that was one thing that I didn't necessarily anticipate. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's valid. I think first time running an event and all that, like there were a lot of things that were just, yeah, it's like a learning, it's it's a learning, it's a learning curve for sure. And, and don't get me wrong. You know, I, this is getting a little bit down the line, but like the other organizers who have put on this event in the past, like I called, I, I had multiple phone calls with them within the last two years and within the last year, you know, just like sitting down being like, Hey, how did you do this event? Like, what did you do? And like, we had like hour long phone calls, you know, about all of these logistics, you know? So, I mean, I, and having done the race, same thing with you, like the fact that you and I had both done it, there was a lot that you and I, I think were prepared for because we knew exactly how it went. But again, we had never done it, you know? So we kind of just had to kind of, we had to quite had to learn as we went. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but overall, you know, a, a pretty good event, right? It was a success. I mean, pretty much everyone finished. Absolutely. Everybody who thought they were going to do it or were kind of thinking about it, they totally did it. And then, Again, getting ahead of ourselves. I mean, we had some records broke too, which is just dude, icing on the cake, man. That was awesome. To get into that, let's also mention day one, the slowest rider came in under four hours. Oh, dude, that was wild. Yeah, man, that was wild. I I was so surprised when that, because normally we're there like all day. And it was like, suddenly we were done at like, you know, 12 o'clock and it's like, oh, uh, I guess let's go eat and go back to the hotel. I mean, we 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 went out for dinner like every night. We were done so early this year that like every night we were like, let's go out and have you know like a small party every night. Like I don't remember that in the in the previous years. Yeah, I I think I underestimated all the stuff that was going to have to happen though. Not not so much after day one, like you said, we ended super early. But after day two and after day three, I was like, felt like I was always doing something, you know? And like, yeah. All right, I got to go to bed, got to wake up. <laughs> but again, and we're getting ahead of ourselves, but the shuttling, getting all the way there and back just took so long, yeah. you know, because that's 40 minutes just there and back. I mean, and yeah, let's talk about the shuttling. So, yeah, so I drive a Honda Fit and I brought my rooftop carrier, which I don't know if you've ever seen a Honda Fit with a rooftop carrier, but it's the first time I've ever seen that before. I did fold, I did fold the seats down in my car, but again, I mean, I put it, I couldn't fit how many there were 23 riders this year i couldn't fit everybody's luggage in my car and when i fully loaded up my car like the shocks on my car were about to bottom out now thankfully you rented a car which is awesome so we got some of the luggage in there both of our cars are full of luggage we can't transport any riders so how do we get people to hotels well then dan's wife showed up um is it uh, meredith and then dave price shows up out of nowhere and then uh shoot who's the other guy steve is it yeah, Steve. Steve Bercher. Steve Bercher. Uh, he showed up. And so 
out of nowhere, we kind of had more volunteers, but that day too, getting it, we could only shuttle like three people at a time and there's 23 riders. Well, we had three cars, so it was like nine people at a time, but it took three trips, you know, or, or yeah, yeah, three trips. So that's like an hour and a half just to get everybody from the trailhead to the hotel and back. And then like the day three, when we had to bring everybody back, like same thing, like that was a logistical nightmare. And that's one thing that we've talked about doing better because they had they had a school bus one year. And I mean, I maybe their budget was different. I might call, you know, Chad or Georgia or Marion and be like, you know, how did you guys work out the school bus? But at a minimum, I'm going to I'm going to rent a 15 passenger van. Um, it's kind of like this, like when you asked me, like on a scale of one to ten, like seven or eight, like we did it. Everyone crossed the finish line who wanted to. Nobody went to the hospital like everybody I talked to had a blast and was super psyched and very grateful. And the shuttling was hard, but we did it, you know, and we'll do it better next time. You know, that's, that's, that's the, maybe next year it'll, I'll, I'll give it a nine out of 10. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it all depends on, on how parts of it go too. I guess you don't want to say it, it went really well and, and not have anything to shoot for. So the seven is, is a good start. I think. For this year, we mentioned day one, pretty fast. Everyone came in looking strong and in under four hours, which is pretty impressive. And day two is kind of the same, right? It was relatively fast. The spread was a lot larger. You know, I think the first guys or girls came in like, I want to say three and a half hours to four hours. And then the last ones were, you know, two, three hours later. So the spread was a lot larger, but still, I mean, you know, some of those years people were coming in at like the eight hour mark. And I think the last guy to come through was like 605 or something like that, you know. Which is still really impressive for 56 miles. That's right. I mean, that's that's 10 mile an hour pace. And and our, our you know, threshold for the race is eight and a half. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, and day two... Day two is not easy. It's, it is not easy. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, in my opinion, day two is the hardest. The heat, the hills. Yeah. For whatever reason, even though day three is 94 miles, for whatever reason, I just feel like, you know, you're just you're just an energizer. Like, I try to channel my inner Marion. I just be an energizer turtle. And I'm just like, I'm just going. And I don't know, the way the, the, way the hills hit and, like, the, the reset at Rock Mart, like, I kind of treat it like two events. It just seems a lot better. And then those last 20 miles on day three are just like a joy ride. I just feel like it's like the back of my back of my hand at that point. But yeah, day two, I mean, I, the fact that everybody came in such a good time, which in my opinion is the hardest day, is, is awesome. The one thing I noticed that you kind of mentioned there, I worked the station on day three, 20 miles out. Everyone was coming in and they were like, well, I have to finish it now. Like, I can't stop <laughs> here. Like... Yeah, they were just like, I don't want to skate twenty more miles, but I I have to keep going. You you're know? you're so close by that point, man, and it's all downhill pretty much. Like I mean, there's ups and downs, but for the most part, the the start to end elevation is is negative, and so it's like, yeah, I mean, just go, dude. You've already done it. You're so cl- you've already done seventy four. You know, just put your foot down and keep going. And you're like six miles, yeah, six miles from that good pavement and just ready to. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's brushed concrete from Terra Drummond to uh to the asphalt change and then it's just gosh man your 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 speed like i don't even know if you actually go faster like you probably do but dude mentally it's like i feel like i'm on a cloud when you change over from that brush concrete you get so used to it you forget that it that it can be you know (laughs) it could be better yeah that's a good point so that was awesome and yeah day three uh big news this year right we had a new record so i don't i I don't want to mess this up so i think it was 641 
So day three, yeah, you were right, 641. So Adam Ornelas, I hope that's how you pronounce his last name. He's got the day three record, and then we added up his times from all three days, and he beat the overall record too, which is just wild. You know, I think I think he missed the day one and day two record by like five or ten minutes, but then he he beat the day three record by like you know seven minutes or something. And I, apparently, Adam was telling me so. Paul Kent had the record. Well, okay, so Paul Kent had the record for like seven years, and then Joe, Joe Mazzoni came in and broke the day three record in like 2017 or 2018. The way Adam was telling me is that one year Paul Kent broke like the day one and day two record, but then he like botched it on day three because I think he puked. So then his overall record wasn't so good. And then the following year, he didn't break the day one and two record, but he just was like, he just destroyed the day three record. And then his overall record was good. So then basically, like Adam did sort of the same thing where his like day one and day two times were really close to Paul's best time. Gotcha. But then his day three time was better. So then his overall record was better. And so, yeah, so his overall record is 13 hours and three minutes. So, you know, I mean, when he crossed the finish line, like I, I, I like jumped out of my chair. I was screaming random people on the side of the street. were like, who the <laughs> heck is this guy? Why is he excited? Yeah. It's such a <laughs> random thing. You know, we're just posted up there at the trailhead, like waiting for these skateboarders to come through. That That's awesome though. 641, uh, 94 miles. And then you said 1303 for 188. Yeah. That's insane. That's insane. And what he said was he was like, the last 26 miles were, were headwind. So he's like, it could have been faster. Yeah. You know? yeah, he did say that. It's an awesome record. It seems unattainable. But he was like, no, it's 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 not even the fastest. Yeah. Like, he, he, yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, someone will beat it again. Exactly. And, he, and the funny thing is, is, he said that he ran into a cyclist. And I guess they were like from the same state or something like that. So they became buddies and like skated the whole way back. And, uh, and so... Cause he said he was alone for most of the time. And it's like, you know, we were talking about like the obstacles of the race and like so much of it is a mental, is a mental battle and you're alone for so many miles of it. And it's like, how do we know he didn't skate, you know, like a half a mile or a mile an hour faster just because he had somebody with him, you know? And if he had been alone, he would have gotten in his head and been like kind of depressed and been like, man, this sucks. I don't really want to do this and not beat it. So awesome. Awesome story from Adam. Uh, yeah, really cool to see. I imagine he'll be there next year. I hope so. There might even be some other fast people there next year, and it'll be cool. It, maybe more records will be broken. You know, we'll see. You know, I uh, uh, want Wandercrust. What, what's her? Uh, I think it was Corey. Cor- Corey Wolf. No, Corey Wolf. She literally was like within a couple minutes. Like every day. Yeah, I know. And I mean, she's never done the race before. She doesn't know the trail conditions. I mean, like if if she came back the next next year with like the awareness of like what the trail is going to throw at her. I mean, I have no. I would not be surprised if she knocked out like every every single one. You know. But yeah, so so exactly. So more records could be broken, man. I mean, it's we had such a lull for so many years because of COVID and whatnot. And, and and even not even before COVID, I mean, like in 2019, like the last time we did the race, like only only 13 people did the race and only 10 people finished. You know, so you consider the fact that, you know, we were already kind of on a downhill, you know. Um, we were getting into like a pretty consistent, like, you know, 2015. Like 2015, we had 30. 2016, we had 
15. So there was a little lull there, but 2017 it was 20, you know, 20 again. And then we dipped and we had 13, which is like the lowest I think we've had since the, the first day of the race. And then it just completely dropped off. And I think everybody kind of forgot about it. You know, and it's like three, four years. Everybody's like, well, that's it. It's all she wrote. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping we have this sort of like rebirth or revival in a way. And, and next year it's just, you know, everybody just really comes and brings it, you know? Yeah. I think next year is looking really good. A lot of people who came this year said they're coming back and the energy is where it needs to be. So I'm really looking forward to it as well. But there was another legendary thing that happened this year. So let's talk about Titus and how he completed the whole <laughs> event in two days rather than three. Uh, no one's ever done that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's a little bit of history here in the sense that Marion, when he was organizing the race, had a pretty tight ship. Like you do day one and then you leave or you do day two and day three and you can drop out whenever you want. Um, you know, he doesn't, and I agree with him, didn't like people to just like show up, you know, randomly, hey, I'm just going to skate day two or like, hey, I'm just going to skate day three. Um, but I, I was one of those people in 2017 who I couldn't make it to the event on Friday I, because of my job. I, I couldn't get off. I couldn't get time off. And so I showed up in Rock Mart uh, Friday night, spent the night, woke up and I did day two. And then day three, I ran support for, for Marion. And so like, I didn't want to be a hypocrite here. And so Titus kind of, you know, he was like, Hey, I can't get off work. I'm getting on a flight. I'm going to land in Atlanta at midnight on Friday. I really want to do this event. What do I do? And we kind of texted a little bit back and forth. And he was like, what if I just skate like at midnight in the middle of the night, get to y'all at 5 a.m. And I was like, the whole nighttime thing freaks me out. One year we had some skaters on the trail after dark. Cops showed up, almost shut us down, you know, tried to revoke our license for doing the event. And so that's why we have the cutoff. So the 5.30 p.m. Tara Drummond, eight and a half mile pace cutoff exists because we had people going too slow and on the trail after dark. And so we have that pretty strict rule. And so when Titus said that, I was like, absolutely not. And so I asked, Corey's a good friend of Titus's. And so I was asking Corey kind of offline. I was like, look, how, how good of a skater is this guy? And she was like, I mean, he's he rips, like he's fast. And I'm like, okay, now what kind of bag does he have? You know, and she's like, well, he's got a little backpack. And I'm like, all right, tell him to take a nap, wake up at 5 a.m. Sun, sun rises at 5.45 a.m. First light's probably a little bit before then. Tell him to grab his backpack, get an Uber to the trailhead at like 5.30 in the morning when it's dark. And as soon as you've got first light, take off. He's such a fast rider. Two and a half hours later, you know, was what, 7.30 or something like that? And like, I think I'd have to look at his time. I think he did it in about three hours. Uh, let's see, 2023, Titus. Yeah, he did it in two hours and 42 minutes. So, you know, he takes off at, you know, 5.45, 6 o'clock and he rolls up. You know, we're all we're all at the trailhead at like 8 a.m. Just kind of setting up, getting ready to start. And Titus rolls up, just skated 38 miles, got dropped off at an Uber in the dark waited till first light took off he's got a backpack and a helmet and you know he's listening to some music and he just rolls up and he does day one in the morning of day two <laughs> <laughs> and so he's warmed up sweating just like he got i mean he worked a full day friday 
drives to the airport, gets on a flight to Atlanta from New York, lands at midnight, sleeps-ish in the airport, then skates 38 miles, takes like an hour breather, you know, replenishes his water bottle, and then skates another 56 miles. So after basically getting like two hours of sleep, he skates 94 miles in one day. That night, he like I saw him at dinner, like he was just dead. But then he wakes up the next day and skated another 94 miles. So he did two 94 mile days, which, like you said, is unprecedented, never been done before. That was that was really cool to watch. I, I'll, I'll tell you that. Like Adam breaking the record, you know, everybody crossing the finish line in under four hours, and then Titus doing this in two days was just really cool to to witness. Yeah. That was impressive. So yeah, we do, there's an award for such things, right? The Trail Story Award. And Titus received that this year. The stories don't always have to be feats of physical strength. Yeah. So, I mean, there were, you know, toilet paper roll stories, see-through pants stories, wiping out on the trail stories. Yeah. Puking on the trail stories. I mean, I won't get into it. You can, you can ask some of the other riders. I'm actually going to go, I'm actually seeing Jude this Wednesday. So I'll probably bring that up to him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you know, you know, you know. That's that's kind of how you know, you know, I won't I won't I won't I'll spare you the details. And then the other award is the Spirit Award, which you want to explain the Spirit Award? Yeah, I want I want to say the Spirit Award is my favorite award. I mean, the podium spot is is really cool. But because for a guy like me who just doesn't compete in that class, you know, I really like the Spirit Award. I mean, Marion invented the race because he wanted to have a group ride. He did the Ladiga and the Silver Comet by himself a lot of the times self-supported. And he wanted to get like a group skate. And yeah, I mean, the, some people show up and they, and they want to compete and they want to get on the podium. But a lot of people are that's just there. It's, just, it's a three-day skatecation. That was the first time I've ever heard the word skatecation, like skateboard and vacation put together. And it really is. And like a lot of people started calling ourselves like the skateboard family back in the day, like 2012, 2013. And it was like, yeah, we're going to get the skate family together. We're going to go to Ultra Skate or we're going to go to Dutch Ultra. And then like even like guys like Andy and all them, like they went to China for like the first like, I think marathon in, in, in China, like they all went together and like they probably never would have met if it wasn't for the skateboard race or like for the Ladiga and ultra skate and all that. Like the whole community is like, everybody kind of knows each other just because of the fact that we like to skateboard. And so the spirit award kind of embodies that it's not about who's the fastest rider. It's like, who's really there for, for, I don't want to say the yeah. right reasons. This is what's coming <laughs> in my head, but like, who's really there because they want to ride because they, they just have so much stoke. You know, blood, sweat, and stoke, right? That's like on the back of our T-shirts. And uh, yeah, so so Brad Morse, uh, he was not the fastest guy, but he had a lot. I, I think I said this at the award ceremony. He had a lot of blood. He had a lot of stoke. And he had a lot of sweat. And uh, so, yeah, he got the Spirit Award this year just because he really embodied, I think, the the reason why we put the race on him in, in, in the first place. Yeah, I, I love awards like that because it's not something that you just you can just give to anyone either, like, we had to kind of think about who was going to get each yeah. kind of trail story, you know, like you've been singled out for your efforts. And I think that's cool. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it's not like a physical strength thing again. It's just, thanks for coming and, and doing your thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I do. I have, we have a few more questions, maybe speed run through. Yeah. I can give you a couple speed runs. Like when my first Ladiga was like, I think I mentioned that already. That was 2012. Right. Which day is the hardest? You said day two. That's my opinion. What do you think? I agree. And for, for the same reasons, right? It's like you start day two at 9 a.m. By the time you're halfway through, it's it's super hot. You have no coverage. And it just gets worse and worse and worse. 
Whereas day three, you're really early. You get through the uncovered part really early in the day. Sometimes there's a little mist, like, you know, morning dew, right? It's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I would add in that day three is like reasonably, like the parts that really suck on day two don't suck on day three. And that's what makes it easier. Uh, day one, obviously the easiest. It's the test, you know. You can make that as hard as you want. You can make day one as hard as you want. You could chill and go, you know, six miles an hour if you wanted to and just like totally just have fun. Or you can blitz it and go 15 miles an hour the whole way. It's totally up to you. If you want to be puking by the time you cross the finish line, you can do it. <laughs> so yeah, reception from the locals. Let's talk about like that briefly, you know, like overall, would you say it's good? Cobb County, like they're, I mean, they're stoked about it. In the past, we had EMT from Paulding, uh, yeah, Paulding County or Polk County, sorry. Uh, EMT from Polk County was like really present and they were like, you know, they had golf carts going up and down the trail to make sure we were okay. But Rockmart is always just so freaking stoked. I mean, they, they let us stay in the community center for free. You know, they gave us Subway sandwiches and bananas and apples this year for free. A years past, we met the mayor and, you know, a couple of other officials. And then Jerry Purdy, who used to be a, a Rock Mart official, does the t-shirts this year. I told you that I said in the past or in a couple of minutes ago that they gave us pizza one year. Like Rock Mart just really shows up. So Rock Mart, if you're listening to this, y'all are awesome. Super stoked to see you next year. I will say I met some cool people in Piedmont. They were really nice. Some guy who, who knows about the skateboarders, you know, he was like, oh, you guys are back, you know, right? He kind of told me where to park and stuff. It was it was cool. But yeah, I don't want to have this conversation without mentioning not just the locals and everyone, but you, you've talked about Marion a lot, right? As someone who ran the race and they had volunteers like, like I think Jeff, Crow helped a few times and uh, they were great. And, you know, Chad Hall, Georgia Hall, they, they ran the race the first time I did it. Yeah, they took it over and then gave it back to Marion. It was like a back and forth. And I think everybody did a great job. You know, I, I love Chad and Georgia so much. And, you know, they've fed me, they've hosted skaters. Like, I think at one point they had like 10 skaters in their house or more. And Marion is also the, you know, this is his brainchild. Like if it wasn't for him, you know, this may have not happened. And so, you know, I've got nothing but love for for all of them for you know helping out. And, I mean, we're just we're 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 the next ones in line, you know. So at some point, at some point, maybe we'll do this three, four, five years, and then we'll pass the torch off to somebody else, you know. Yeah, and that's that's the thing about this event is it it just passes from person to person. It's it's been run by people who just wanted it to happen. There's no like real gain other than that from it. Um, so yeah, given that, what's the, what's the plan going forward? What are we doing next? Yeah, the plan is to update the website. We're you know, Max and I, Max and I here uh, had a call a week ago to talk about plans moving forward, and we're going to do a bunch of changes and stuff like that. And again, we're going to keep the cap at thirty. Stage race is going to be the same, and you know, I think we're just going to make it run a lot smoother than than this year. So everything's going to be the same, just smoother. I think those are the plans right now. With that, is is there anything you want to talk about that maybe is not Ladiga related, or maybe if it is that we didn't cover distance skateboarding, you want to get out there? You know, the one thing I want to say is that I I did in the past have lofty ambitions to kind of make like a, a skate challenge board, like a like a like a board, you know, like a school board or a committee, you know, just like a funny play on words. And uh, you know, you and I are kind of uh, I don't know like. I don't know, maybe like, you know, dual kings or something like that. Like, I don't know what you call it, like, you know, 
or like Russian oligarchs or something. I don't know. But uh, it would be if it would be cool if we had you know more people involved. Like you know, Dave Price showed up, Steve Berger showed up. Um, you know, Dan, you know, he does that Greenway Surfers. Like, there's a bunch of people, and even like Scott Ziegler, you know, part of the IDSA. Like, there's so many people who are like involved in various efforts. And oh, I got to give a shout out to Joner, right? Because I called Joner like three or four times for insurance. So, you know, he helped me out there. There's a lot of people who are behind the scenes who do a lot in the distance skateboarding, uh, you know, uh, community. But it would be really cool if instead of it just being you and me, you know, we had two or two more people maybe who, you know, we could rely on for, you know, whatever else we're doing. Because there's a lot of things that we do every month and updating the website and, you know, getting t-shirts and all that. And just being able to delegate that out to one or two more people would be really cool. And, you know, to also have like more dedicated volunteers, you know, rather than it just being kind of a hodgepodge of like, oh, let's just grab whatever we can and then throw a couple cars together. And those are the shuttles. It'd be cool to, you know, like you knew that you and me were going to commit and we were going to be there. But it'd be, it would have been really neat if we had, like I said, like three or four people who were like, I will be there. I'm not going to skate. You know, I'm going to I'm going to do that. And so if we could get some people to commit like that, like that would be really cool. I love this idea of a board. Yeah. A board of directors or whatever, you know, or a skate challenge board. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's really cool. We're, we're going to have we got to have a board meeting, you know, it's super cringy. But, you know, I mean, that that, that that's that would be really cool for me. That's sort of my dream right there. Yeah. So if anyone's listening and they've done Ladiga in the past or they they have some ideas about how they can help or how someone they know can help, let's, Carlos, how should they reach out? I think it's skate188challenge at gmail.com. Um, I monitor that email address. I check it every day. So yeah, just shoot an email whenever if you want to get in contact with me. I mean, or, I mean, you could follow me on Facebook too. So, you know, my name, Carlos Montalvo or... My Instagram handle is uh, Adventures with Doctor C. You know, you could follow me on either of those and message me there. There's so many different ways to get a hold of me. Awesome. I'll try and link those with the the episode as well, and people can reach out to you. Uh, last question: Where are we going to see you next? See me? Yeah. Are you coming to any other events, or do you, are you just Ladiga through and through? You got a lot going on. Yeah, right. Right now, I'm just Ladiga, but I've I've always wanted to go to the Ultra Skate, and so I don't know if I'm going to compete. But if anybody's looking for a 24 hour sponsor to like hand waters and bags, whatever, like hit me up because I I I definitely want to try to hit up Miami and just be a support Careful. crew. You know, I'm gonna. Careful. You just gave <laughs> you just gave all of your information. People are gonna be like, oh yeah. I'll <laughs> I'll take a hand. Yeah, I mean, I can only support one person, maybe two, you know, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, dude, we would, I, I go to Ultra every year. I think you would, it would be awesome if you came. Uh, you would have a great time. You could even skate a little bit, right? Even if you didn't. Yeah, skate. yeah, I would love, to, you know, I would freaking love to do it, man. I It's in the winter, it's always really hard. <laughs> I, I love the heat. And so in the winter, it's really not that cold down here, but it's cold enough where like I don't train as much. And so I've just never done it. You know, I've, I've never gotten the training hours in to do the ultra skate, but you know, you convinced me, like, I really just want to go and, and just hang out and then, uh, and be a part of it, you know, just be a part of the hype. Yeah. It's such a party, man. Like we, we have a good time. I spent a lot of time on the sidelines this past year and I, I had fun. So, um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be great. But yeah, I, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for doing this and taking the time out of your day. This has been great. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.